TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Way back and gone! Touch them all! It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. It is Touch Them All on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff back in the TCL broadcast studios along with Manny Hill and live from Twin Spring Training in Fort Myers, Florida is our Twins reporter Derek Wetmore brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. And when you have a sponsor, Derek Wetmore, that's when you've officially made it in this business, my friend. No big Welcome. deal. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> yes, Rami, thank you. It's good to be with you, and uh, it's good to be brought to you by somebody. And uh, I'm going to do this every time we talk just because I'm uh, I'm a masochist, and I like torturing myself. We had about six inches of snow dumped on us so far today, Derek, and more to come. What's the weather like in Fort Myers, Florida? You want the long version or the short version? Give me the medium version. <laughs> so I'm looking at a couple clouds up in the sky, but I do see a lot of blue. It's 82 and sweaty, and okay. I talked to a, a, a kind of year-round resident here in Fort Myers who said it's it's weird. It's kind of summer weather patterns because the, the wind is coming up from the south, and that might bring some rain later this afternoon. Um, it's always sweaty for me, like regardless of the weather, so that you can leave that yeah. out of the forecast. That just <laughs> applies to all weather for me. If you want to get in on the show out there and uh, talk some twins, talk some baseball with us, 651 646 8255, or you can tweet us at Score North. And uh, the big news in baseball today actually went down yesterday, and that is uh, Manny Machado signing with the team that Derek seemed to jump into the Manny Machado sweepstakes, and we're in on Bryce Harper, too, before this deal was signed. A little late in the game, if you believe what's reported, the San Diego Padres ink Machado to a 10-year, $300 million deal. The bad news uh, for Twins fans is that he did not sign with the Twins. The good news, though, Derek, is that he didn't end up in the division and a team who thought they had a pretty good shot at signing him, the Chicago White Sox. And this was their general manager, Rick Hahn, yesterday talking about the effort to sign Manny Machado. In bed last night feeling fairly confident. Not knowing, again, knowing that we don't know the universe of what's out there, knowing that things can move quickly. Uh, but based upon the meeting we had yesterday with the agent, which Jerry attended, uh, knowing the uh, improvement to our proposal that we made last night and knowing the uh, very strong elements of certain elements of that proposal, I went to bed feeling like we put forth an extremely solid effort and that there was a very real chance of converting. This will come as no great shock, but at you know, 2 in the morning when I couldn't sleep and I was messing around on my phone and... and uh, I started to have a little cynicism seek in in terms of our chances, and then this morning when I was out for my run, you know, that cynicism grew a little bit. And unfortunately, once I got back to the clubhouse, I uh, had a phone call with, uh, with the representative, and that cynicism proved to be uh, uh, foresight. We should be proud of the aggressiveness and creativity of our offer, uh, which we were told not only was extremely competitive, but if the reports that are out there are accurate, uh, we were superior to what was ultimately accepted in certain ways. That said, this is free agency. These players have worked extremely hard to get to this point, and they have choices. Again, from the rawness and selfish standpoint, or my individual standpoint, trying really hard and failing is not sufficient. This isn't the last time we're going to be pursuing premium talent, uh, and we're not going to convert on all of them. 
It's not often that you hear a GM, Derek, basically say we had a better offer on the table than what this guy took. (laughs) Yeah, but hey, very relatable. Uh, Go into bed feeling confident, can't sleep, you bust out the phone and you start feeling cynical. I I can relate with uh, General Manager Rick Khan there. That's that's just a very human thing to do. Yeah, I think that happens to all of us. It's usually not in trying to sign Manny Machado, but I think we've all been there before. Well, I didn't even have an offer out to Manny Machado and I felt that way at times. So it did sound like he was really biting his tongue there, though, didn't it? It just you could just kind of you're right seem like in in with the tone of what he was saying, like it just sounded like he was he was really not happy and and uh, really trying to bite his tongue as much as he could. But he said it though too, like yeah. But t- two things on that. One is it's free agency. Manny Machado and his representatives get to do whatever the heck they want. Yeah. And secondly, that. You put up a compelling offer, and he wanted. It's, you could almost hear him wanting to say what the exact deal was, right? It's when he's in there. You mentioned biting his tongue, Manny, and I, I think that's exactly what that was. He's probably sitting up there, and this will this will float out there. This I guarantee you, based on how he handled that on the record conversation, it will float out what the White Sox offered Manny Machado. Just so you can sort of say to your fans, "Look, we tried. We didn't get her done." Doesn't make White Sox fans feel better necessarily, but it's better than saying, well, they must have offered something less. If Rick Hahn's coming out and saying ours was better in a number of ways, well, that's that's an interesting wrinkle to this and ultimately doesn't really mean a whole lot for, for the White Sox or for their fans for that matter. It actually, if depending on what you believe, Derek, it has trickled out what the White Sox Ooh. offered Manny Machado. Shocking, yeah. This funny is, how that works. This is Bite from, your tongue uh, at a press conference and then maybe uh, somebody learns about it after the fact. This is a tweet from uh, Danny Parkins of The Score down in Chicago, spelled differently, S-K-S-C-O-R-E, where S-K-O-R here uh, at 1500. He says, uh, White Sox offered Manny Machado eight, for 250 with very tough vesting options uh, at 35 a year for potential or 35 a 35 per year for a potential 320 million dollars with no opt outs the pirates gave him excuse me the padres gave him 10 for 300 with an opt out after 5 years so the yeah. offer was 8 for 250 with some vesting options potential for 35 a year and 320 million dollars when the deal was all said and done but no option to get out after five years, and the Padres gave him a solid ten years, three hundred, and he can opt out after five of those ten years. Right. I don't see if that's a deal how Rick Hahn can look at it objectively and say we had a better deal on the table. You're right. You're right, and that's the part that kind of bugs me about general managers uh, sometimes looking at it from only their own perspective. Um, I will say that three twenty is a big, big, big number. Um, but so is 300, and I do wonder how much the opt-out plays into it. If it's if it's as reported that halfway through a 10-year deal, Manny can decide this isn't for me and jet and then hit the free agent market at 31 years old when he's still got a chance for a big, big payday, I, that, that would be a compelling offer to me. That's something that I, I would want control and flexibility over my future. Um, it was clearly enough to get him to go sign to a team that probably won't win this year. And as I pointed out to my friends uh, in the media down here, he must care a lot about money, must, uh, Manny Machado, that is, because he agreed to go play in that armpit of a city in uh, San Diego, California. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how much money talks to need to get you to go uh, take your professional services there. But for whatever that's worth, he did look past that in this case. As for the Twins' purposes, which is what we're here to talk about, Derek, on, on Touch Them All, 
The good news is he's not in your division, and I think I, I really think that the White Sox would have been a dangerous club as far as the AL Central goes had they signed Manny Machado because the Padres have the best farm system in baseball, but most of their guys, from what I understand, are probably at least a year, maybe two or three years away from getting to the big league level and and being successful at all. I look at the White Sox, Derek, and they also have one of the top farm systems in the league, but they have a wave of players who are going to be coming up, if not at the start of this season, they'll be trickling in as this season goes along. And some guys who... People have some pretty high expectations for them when they get to the major league level. Had they signed Manny Machado, I think that's a team with the young talent that they have coming in that could have made some news in the division this year and maybe leapfrogged the Twins as the team who who could knock on Cleveland's door as a contender for the AL Central. Yeah, it's kind of a weird spot for the Central, and I think that was my argument all along for Bryce Harper for the Twins. Uh, for, first of all, I think Bryce Harper's going to be a better uh, investment than Manny Machado, so we can rehash that if we need to when Bryce signs, but the way I look at it is both of these guys are premium free agents. Both of them are 26. Both of them immediately help their club become uh, more of a contender than they are today, and so the argument for going for it if you're the Twins is, yes, the Indians are still amazing. I think they're going to win this division going away, but they're still a wild card, and you could put yourself in conversation with the Indians anyways, and the other three teams in the American League Central, with all due respect, are a bit of doormats right now. It seemed like a good opportunity for the Twins to circle 2019 and say, go. Let's circle this year. Let's be competitive. Let's go you know, maybe not World Series or bust because you've still got a nice cabinet of prospects coming down the way. But it just seems like an opportunity that they're they're maybe they're letting that pass. Um, I do think that the long term trajectory of the Twins, you got to feel good about it, even with that loaded cupboard that you referenced in the White Sox farm system. I, I think that the Twins will eventually get back to winning this division, you know, even perennially. But it seems like that should have started this year to me. I th- I think that especially with the White Sox missing out on Machado, they're not going to be any good. The Royals aren't going to be any good. I don't think the Tigers are going to be even close to any good. So it's sort of a two-team race, and I don't know that the Twins brought their best to the table for 2019. I get it, understand the whole long-term picture, but to your point on him not going to Chicago, I think they still could be dangerous in the future, but I don't see any way that team finishes even 500 this season. They're just too far away for me. And and the point I, I was about to get to was the bad news is you listen to Rick Hahn and you listen to the tone in his voice when he says what he said and that's not a guy who's going to sit back and wait for his team to be good. And yeah, they're not the big dog in Chicago, but that's still a big market that they're operating with and, and more money when you talk about their, their local TV and radio deal than probably what the Twins are dealing with and this wave of prospects that they have coming, Derek, if the Twins are going to compete in this division long-term and, and win the division perennially, as, as you just talked about, that's a team who you're going to have to contend with in the White Sox because yeah. they're going, they've shown that they're going to be aggressive in the free agent market. They didn't get their man this time, but I would imagine that in, in the near future, the White Sox will continue to be in on big free agents like this. Nolan Arenado will be the big prize next offseason unless he signs some sort of extension. If, if the Twins are, are going to be that team that you just talked about, Derek, 
the White Sox, in addition to the Indians for the immediate future, are going to be a team that you're going to have to contend with to do that. And I would imagine you're going to have to get in on some of these free agent bidding wars with the White Sox if you're going to be the team that comes out on top. You're right. You're right, Rami. It's fascinating that we can sit here and talk. A couple of weeks ago, you remember you and I talked about when the Twins basically told us and the world that, oh, we're not getting Bryce and we're not getting Manny, but don't worry. That doesn't mean we'll never get a superstar. It just won't be one of these two superstars. You and I played that fun game of, well, then if not Bryce and not Manny, who do you want? We looked ahead to the 2020 free agent class, 21 and 22. There's some great, great players on that list that you're really excited about, but you bring up a really interesting point now, which is, yeah, but every team is going to want those. You you don't just get to line up and say, oh, we'll take that one. Yep, Arenado sounds good to me. We'll play him. Uh, the White Sox might want that too. The 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 Yankees might be maybe not. They're fairly well set on the position side, but uh, the Dodgers are still going to have money. Shocking to learn that the the Cubs. I'm not sure what their immediate future holds. You'd know better than I would, Rami. But there are these big market teams that are going to be able to flex this muscle, and this is not unique. This offseason having a superstar player at the top of the class happens every year, and there's always going to be multiple teams who tried really hard and end up having to have a sad Rick Hahn press conference uh, where he gets up and says, we tried, we came up short, maybe next time. There, there's there's going to be some teams that are highly motivated in markets going forward, so it's not a by any means a foregone conclusion that you can just waltz in and have your pick. You, you, you're going to have to understand that even if you have the resources to do it and a compelling pitch to the free agent – well, they still have to agree, and you still have to make it worth their while more than the other 29 clubs will. And that's that's a position that would make me a little bit nervous. A name I'm surprised you didn't bring up. This report just came out in the last 24 hours or so, and it wouldn't be in free agency. But do you, do you actually believe that they've had internal discussions within the Angels of shopping around Mike Trout before he hits free agency in two years? Wow. I did not see that report. Oh, really? What, what do, yeah, what do we know? I've I've been uh, on backfield sweating and taking notes on, uh, on 25-man rosters. Hang on one second. I'll have the uh, story up for you in just a second. Yeah. Let me say, while you look that up, Rami, just quickly, that I'm fascinated by this discussion now that, oh, this player signed a team-friendly extension. Okay, 29 other clubs, go and ask, have the media ask your star player, would you consider an extension like this? Would you consider? And it's like, players aren't required to take a bad deal. Like Fans are going to love it if it's a team-friendly contract. I get that. But I'm I'm pro player in all this stuff. I want like I want Manny to get paid, even if I don't think he's better than Bryce Harper and if I don't think he's... You know, you can talk about the leadership and all of that stuff that we've fought about all winter. I still want him to get paid, and I'm happy that he did. I guess I'm just I'm fascinated by seeing these reports come out from other camps of would Lindor accept an extension? Would uh, you know on and on down that list? Uh, we we see it even here at Twins camp. Would uh, would Eddie Rosario take a below market deal to sign with the Twins? Well. I'm not rooting for that outcome because I don't think players should have to take a below-market value deal. Did you guys see the tweet from uh, Jared Weaver yesterday, by the way? Former teammate of Mike Trout with (laughs) the Angels. He said, uh, if Machado got $300 million, Mike Trout is going to get $1 billion. (laughs) Although, what two things about that. Yes, Mike Trout is better than Manny Machado. (laughs) Secondly, 
nobody is signing a $1 billion contract, <laughs> and you must not understand baseball economics. So the, the report came out yesterday that the uh, Angels were speaking internally about listening to offers for Mike Trout because wow. he hits free agency after the 2020 season. They quickly shot that down, though. Someone asked uh, team owner Artie Moreno if uh, they were having discussions or if it was in the back of their minds of extending Mike Trout beyond the current contract. And he said, one of the last interviews I gave, I said it's not in the back of our mind, but in the front of our minds. So he's he's hmm. shooting that down and saying they're talking about keeping Mike Trout there long term. Okay. Trout, for his credit, says, I enjoy it here. I'm having fun. Obviously, losing's not fun, but I enjoy playing this game. I leave it out on the field every night, every day, and I go from there. Uh, one of the things that's, that's fueling these rumors is the Philadelphia Phillies who have been on on Harper and Machado, and he's a Philly guy. Grew up mm-hmm. in, in the Philadelphia area. He's often at Philadelphia Eagles games, sporting Eagles gear at 76ers games. So he's he's a Philly guy, and I think that some people in Philly may be putting this out there to hmm. to, to poison the waters, Derek. Although I, well, I, I wouldn't accuse anybody of doing anything No, like that's that. right, especially not the good people of Philadelphia. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, sorry. But I, I'm just looking at this because I'm interested in two things. One, does it make sense? Like, let's, let's just take this at face value for a second and know that we're on Sports Talk Radio so we can talk about whatever we want to. Right. Would it make sense for the Angels to shop Mike Trout, get the moon and the stars and several other portions of the Milky Way galaxy in return for Mike Trout to really reboot, uh, you know, a rebuild that you'd build around Shohei Otani? Maybe that does make sense in some weird kind of way. I'll let you address that, but I also just should say quickly that internal discussions can happen all the time. Probably sucks for the Angels that that even leaked out that, they are discussing it, but you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't at least in a meeting of all the you know baseball people and if it's scouts or just decision makers or research and development or whatever, you got to at least have the conversation of, hey, I know nobody would want to trade this guy, but should we entertain it? And even if the answer is no, technically that counts as you know internal discussions. If Mike Trout is available, every team in baseball should be putting yes. some sort of offer in. Whatever whatever you can package up. If Mike Trout is on the market, you should be putting together well, a package to acquire Mike Trout. Yes, I agree. Although, if he only has a couple of years on a contract, it's it's not like you're getting the whole rest of his career necessarily. If if you guarantee me the rest of his career, I'd give you just about anything you want. You can have Target Field, take the keys, take the keys to Minneapolis and St. Paul. That's fine, too. <laughs> I just, I guess I don't know what the long-term future is going to look like for that guy. We are due for a break, but while we're talking about big-name free agents, John Heyman uh, just put this out there about 10 minutes ago from uh, uh, CBS Sports. He says, Bryce Harper is believed to have turned down multiple offers over $300 million in recent weeks. At least five teams are still believed uh, in contact, though, Philly, San Francisco, and perhaps Washington appear to have more chance than San Diego, who just gave Manny 300, and the White Sox, who seem more focused on Manny Machado. So those five teams, maybe minus San Diego and the White Sox, still in on Harper. And this is probably a bigger discussion for a bigger day, Derek Wetmore, but uh, if Bryce Harper is turning down $300 million multiple times, I don't know where the Players Association, Scott Boris, or anybody gets off complaining about the pace of free agency. You're, mm. you're turning down offers that are clearly 
clearly fair and market value for what you've done and what people think you will do in this league. How much do they want? I don't know. Yeah. How much do they want? My goodness. Well, well, what's the difference between 300 and 330? The difference is 330 would be the largest contract in sports history, right? What is it? Stanton with three? Is he 324 or 325 or whatever it is? If it's about ego and getting that very top echelon, then that's part of it. I will say, I I know we got to run to a break Mm -hmm. here, but that Scott Boris also contributes to the slow pace of free agency. This was always his strategy back when the, the thought was, well, my player could help your team and drive up the price at the dawn of spring training because. Several teams know they have a hole to fill, and this guy would fill it. Now teams are saying, eh, we'll fill that with a minor leaguer. That's fine. 500000 it'd be okay for this year. We weren't going to win the World Series anyway, so thanks for calling, Scott, but uh, we'll talk to you next winter. Hmm. And I think he, he will have a home soon, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I th- oh, yeah. A lot of people speculate that Boris and uh, Manny Machado's agent, his name is escaping me right Lozano. now. It was it was a standoff because they both wanted their client to have the the biggest contract, if not ever, at least in this particular offseason. Oh, big whoop! I, I don't get so worked up about that. Take, you know, I'm not saying that a player should settle for less money, but three hundred million dollars to go play in San Diego, which I disparaged earlier, but is a beautiful city. I've never and been. And a great ballpark, though. Yeah. <laughs> I just that'd be okay with me. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, Derek thinks he's gotten to the bottom of the Twins' plan this season, and it could either boom or it could bust. Then we'll talk about it next. It's Touch 'Em All. Derek Wetmore is live from Twin Spring Training. I'm Rami Makloff along with Manny Hill here in the TCS Broadcast Studios. We're on Score North on 1500 and ScoreNorth.com. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. Touch them all on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Manny Hill back in the TCL broadcast studios. Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter, live from Fort Myers, Florida, the site of Twin Spring, Twins Spring Training. And he's brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. You can uh, find this show and all our Twins programming at scorenorth.com on the app or wherever you download podcasts. All you got to do is search Score North Twins. That's S K O our North Twins, and you'll find all our programming and a very exciting announcement about our Twins lineup of programming coming very, very soon, so stay tuned for that. Also coming soon, a piece that uh, Derek Wetmore is working on for scorenorth.com, profiling uh, Jonathan Scope, and Jonathan Scope, Derek, one of, and this is one of those things that doesn't really dawn on you until you see it in ink or, or in print, as it would be for the digital age. How many bounce-back guys that the twins are are really banking on for this season to work. And like I said, it didn't it you we talk about these names, but you put the whole picture together in an email that you sent me today in in preparation for this show. Yes, we prep for this show. It may not Sometimes. sound like it all the time, but we do prep for this show <laughs> and the list of bounce back candidates for the Minnesota Twins are Snow Buxton, the aforementioned Jonathan Scope, Pineda, and Castro, those are five guys who they are absolutely counting on. If, if this if this twin season is going to reach its its full potential and they're going to make some noise in the AL Central and maybe beyond, they're going to need 
at least three, maybe four, if not all five of those guys to to bounce back and and reach their full potential this season. How does that rub you as a Twins fan, Derek? That that that's that's the plan for this team. Yeah, it's tough because I think if you're a Twins fan, you've you've got to be frustrated by that that they wouldn't go out and just buy assurances when they could have, right? They, I mean, they could have gotten a steady guy at second base. They could have. Uh, upgraded at catcher. They could have spent more money on the pitching rotation. They still could if they want to. But at the same time, I think it's maybe it's a fair strategy for them that basically individually I I look at all these and say, "Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's a fair bet." The part that would bug me, Rami, if I was uh rooting for this team or was paid on their wins and losses, it would be that you're banking on a lot of different guys. That you're just so you're so like confident that this guy, who a lot of teams would be saying he might bounce back, and if he does, that'll be good. You're almost saying like well, we kind of need this guy to bounce back because if he doesn't, what are we gonna do? So I don't know. The five names you mentioned are the right ones. If we if we look at each one of them individually and we could talk them through here right now, I could say yeah, yeah, I could see that guy bouncing back and being a lot better than he was last year or even two years ago in some cases, but. I don't know. It's the fact that it's five and that they're all going to be on the opening day roster. That's the part that's a little tough to wrestle with for me. Manny, how do you feel about this plan? The bounce back plan, if you will. I don't have a huge issue with it. My my only thing is, of of those five guys that we're sort of looking at, the the, the two that I think are the most important for the future of the franchise are Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. Like, I think if you if they get a bounce back from Jonathan Scope, I think it's great, and I think it would be I think we'll be able to look back on it and say that was a great investment. That one year was it seven million that he got? For, yeah, for seven, one year? seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I I think if Scope comes in and he has a really nice season at second base, then I think you can look at that and say okay, that was a nice investment, a nice find. Guy got a bounce back season. But I look at Buxton and Sano, it I think it's vital for this mm-hmm. franchise, for those two guys specifically to have bounce-back seasons because those guys really figure to be a big part of your long-term future. And if they don't bounce back, if they don't do what they're capable of, then I think if you're Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, you got to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we need to sort of pivot here and dis, you know maybe go a different direction. But in a weird way, and you, you led me right into it, Manny, that's why I kind of love this plan. I kind mm-hmm. of I kind of love what the Twins are doing with this particular group of guys that we're talking about. And I'll throw another group of guys, not saying he's a bounce-back candidate because he's been as consistent uh, uh, a producer at the plate as anybody in Major League Baseball for the last few years, but I'll throw Nelson Cruz into this for, for the purposes of what I'm about to talk about. To me... The the course of the next at least two to three years of the Minnesota Twins completely and totally hinges on Sano and Buxton. Am I? Are you? Are you, are you, Would you guys disagree with that? You get no disagreement from me. Um, I think I'll push back on that. You would. I, okay. Yeah. I I think they could be like World Series contenders if those two guys are superstars. But I still think they could win a lot of games even if they both flame out or or one of them flames out. I, 
I don't think it's 100% contingent. It'd just be a lot easier. The path of least resistance is those two guys are just great and right. you're a lot happier. Right. But if if those guys if those guys do bust, if we're talking boom or bust, sure. And those two guys do bust, that's a major setback in my eyes for the Twins as an organization in terms of their immediate future. When I talk immediate future, I'm talking the next 2 or 3 year window. Sure. That's um, probably fair. Yeah. So if if let's say those two guys bust, but Scope, Pineda, Castro, and Nelson Cruz, or some combination of those four guys, they they produce. Now you go to the trade deadline, Derek, and chances are you're you're not buyers if Sano and Buxton are are busts. But if those other guys produce, now you have assets that are attractive to other teams at mm-hmm. the trade deadline, and you can move those guys for some young players and compile some young, controllable assets and and sort of rebuild this thing and and make up for what some of the ground that you lose by Sano and Buxton busting in this boom in this boomer bust scenario that we're talking about. If you have some combination of scope, Pineda, Castro, and Cruz to to put on the trade block when we get to the trade deadline, that should net you a pretty good bounty of prospects and guys who will be able to help you win in the net in in two, maybe two years from now mm-hmm. when the next wave of of Twins prospects are ready to to make a difference at the major league level. The Twins yeah. pitchfork nation will not be happy. Yes, <laughs> well, they will yeah. not be happy. <laughs> Both of those are great points. I mean, Manny, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And and Rami, your point is really sound. Too, I think that there's this element there that bugs me, though. Not that it's not a smart approach, but if you're always in trade deadline mode, if you're all, or if you're always in, well, we'll be sellers. That that just bothers me. That at but some is, point you have to be buyers, don't you? Yes, but I'm talking about the bust scenario of Sano so and Buxton. Your, it's your safety blanket, basically. Exactly. You say, it's, okay, it's your fallback plan. It's your fallback yeah. plan of this didn't work. If Sano and Buxton boom. And those two guys take that next step in their career this year. And then some combination of Scope, Pineda, Castro, and Cruz are producing for you. Well, now you're a team that's probably looking at being buyers at at the trade deadline and maybe accelerating the process of, of the Twins being a contender in the AL Central or beyond. I really think that a lot of it hinges on Sano and Buxton. And when I say a lot of it, I mean what you do at the trade deadline and and the coming future, the next two or three years, of the Minnesota Twins. If I'm if I'm Thad Levine and the brain trust of the Minnesota Twins, I'm looking at Sano and Buxton and going, they're the key. They're, they're going to determine the course of this franchise, yeah. and, and they probably determine it this year. You're at a fork in the road, and those two guys are probably going to determine which way you go on that fork in the road. So if a team is a little more competitive, they're the Indians, let's say, would it offend you more to have this sort of low floor, high ceiling outcome so many places on your roster? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? That because of where the Twins are at, it's okay for them to take some of these higher risk players. Is that about fair? I just think that where they're at and so much of the franchise riding on those two guys who took 
big steps back in their development last year after we saw all-star performance from them in 2017. And they're sitting back and asking themselves, which Sano and Buxton are we going to get? Are we going to get the two guys who are going to lead this team into the next phase of successful Twins baseball? Or are we going to get two guys who are going to set us back in terms of the next yeah. phase of Twins baseball? I guess I'd be, I'd be curious to know what Twins fans are thinking about this right now. What you know, the people I talk to at Twins Fest are just excited. I mean, I think that a lot of people. You could look individually, Rami, at each of these and say, "Yeah, I could, I could paint the picture that explains why this guy is going to have a good year." But I think if you're just going to say, "Well, you know, fifty-fifty shot that this guy does, fifty-fifty that this guy," you're going to have some misses. There are going to be some busts, and I, I don't know. Does is that bothering people right now? Or are they in Team Rami that says like it's okay because it's sort of in a holding pattern right now, and if the young players on their roster do really blossom the way you hope, then you're ready to put your foot down on the gas pedal and, and you, like you just mentioned, sort of accelerate this winning curve, this winning cycle that the Twins would be at the front. I, I, I'm curious to know what the median member of the Twins fan base is thinking about this boomer bust strategy right now. I would also be interested to see two guys that, to Rami, to, pig, to piggyback off of your point about where, you know, Buxton and Sano, depending on what happens with them this year, could determine like the direction that Derek and Thad decide to go with in terms of whether it's rebuilding or or trying to, you know, go for it and try to contend. What happens if only one of those guys shows the potential that we all anticipate from them? Like if it's if Buxton comes back and has a really good season and shows the signs that he's ready to take off as a really important piece of the franchise, but Sano doesn't show, Sano just shows the same things that we've been seeing from the last couple of years, and you just realize that it's just not going to work out with him. Then what direction did they go? Well, that's when you bring in Rami's, you know, the apple of his eye. You go sign Nolan Arenado next offseason, and you got your star center fielder, star third baseman. It's off to the races, and life is good. I love Nolan Arenado. I wouldn't complain. Yeah, I mean, it really is as, I mean, I say that only half tongue in cheek because it really is as simple as assessing what they do this year and reacting to it that way. That if you, if let's put the other, the, the flip side just for balance here Mm -hmm. if Buxton can't hit a breaking pitch but Sano is a stalwart there and hits his 30-35 home runs and stays healthy all season that to me is a situation where okay well you got to go find a center fielder maybe Max Kepler slides over and plays center field Jake K is your right fielder or you go get a corner outfielder on the market next winter or you're trading for a center fielder to be clear I don't think that that's in their minds right now of well if this doesn't go well for him, we got to get somebody in here in July. But I just think it's a read and react season. So you get through 2019. If you've got to adjust the roster and what you thought it was going to look like going forward, then I think you just play those cards at that point. It's really interesting what what course the Twins will take this year. And and like I said, I think a lot of it depends on what happens with Sano and Buxton. I have more here from uh, Rick Hahn, the GM of the uh, Chicago White Sox. Are we just calling him sad Rick Hahn today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, Derek, but to me, if I'm a Twins fan, I, I like this quote that I, that I just found talking about Manny Machado. He says, the money will be spent. 
It might not be spent this offseason, but it will be spent at some point. This isn't money sitting around waiting to just accumulate interest. It's money trying to be deployed to put us in the best position to win some championships. And that was his response to some folks at White Sox Fest complaining that the White Sox were, quote-unquote, being cheap in their pursuit of Manny Machado. If Twins fans think, I mean, if White Sox fans think that's cheap, being willing to commit almost $350 million to a guy over the course of the next 10 years, what would Twins fans or what would White Sox fans say to what the Twins are doing? But to me, that sounds like a GM who's almost desperate, Derek, to to spend that money. And if I'm a Twins fan, that makes me... That makes me kind of happy because hopefully they'll they'll just spend it on a guy who's not worth it somewhere down the line and set back their franchise. Yeah, or is that Rami the Cubs guy just yeah. because it's the White Sox GM? <laughs> I think there's a little <laughs> shot just, of Freud going just on just here. relishing in this right now. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I just think if you're if you're a White Sox fan, it doesn't help you to hear that. But maybe three months from now, you'll you'll be thinking back on it and say, you know what? All right. We got a young core. I mean, Michael Kopech eventually will be healthy again. We got Moncada. This is this is a good situation to be. And now we know they're going to layer, or they're going to try really hard to layer in a superstar. So it does doesn't help it sting any less today that you missed out on Manny Machado. But knowing that there might be another one sometime in the near future, I think that'd probably be a little reassuring. But uh, Cubs fan Rami seems to be relishing quite a great deal in uh, in sad Rick Hahn quotes. And when they quote him, do they have to say said sad Rick? They come to an agreement to just write that in everything. That's Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers, Florida at Twin Spring Training. Our Twins reporter brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. I'm Robbie Mackloff. This is Touch Em All on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Score North. That's exactly what I've been looking for. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Touch them all on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf back in the TCL broadcast studios in snowy Minneapolis, Minnesota. Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter. He's out at sunny Fort Myers, Florida for Twin Spring Training. And he's brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. A few more minutes left here in the show and a couple things I wanted to talk about with you, Derek. One, um, I'm seeing a lot of, of articles, hearing a lot of chatter about Miguel Sano, who, who came into camp with the, 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 uh, the cut on his heel that happened as he was celebrating a Dominican League championship. But other than that, apparently in much better shape than he's come into previous spring training sessions. And the, the thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he quote-unquote gets it. Now, what what it takes to be a professional baseball player when it comes to conditioning and nutrition and, and what type of shape your body needs to be in to be a professional baseball player of the highest order. Do you believe that he, quote unquote, gets it, Derek? Well, Are we'll you see. ready to declare that? No, I'm not. Okay. I think that I am. It's it's a good story. And I think that it would be great for the twins if that's the case. But I think you're kind of just rooting for that right now it's it's almost like it's easy to get it in february do you know what i mean yeah. like cool okay he's going through uh an important winter league for him it was it was important to him and the people that he was working with to get that done that's excellent 
and he got his body in better shape, and he didn't have to recover from a surgery this winter like he did last winter. That really kind of threw his off-season awry. But still, what I want to know is on June 15th, as the grind of the season starts to creep in, what is your thought process? Where is your body at? Where is your mind at? Are you able to deal with the grind of a season and stay healthy for a full year? I mean, that's, to me, one of the biggest questions for both Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton. We can talk about their talent and their ability all we want, and will they reach their potential? We should first ask the question, can they stay on the field? Because I think that's an open question right now. And, look, I think it's possible that Sano has sort of had a light bulb moment this winter. Um, maybe it's just because this offseason was easier for him than last offseason was. So by extension, he comes into camp in much better shape. But still, I think there are only so many times that you can write the he gets it now and then he proves that maybe he doesn't get it. Or, or even if he does get it, that he still doesn't stay healthy. My point is, I'm not ready to declare on February 20th that this is definitely the turning point of Miguel Sano's career. I think the Twins would hope that that's the case, but we just can't know for certain until maybe months later, maybe years later, in fact. We, we might look back on this conversation and say, yep, that was silly. Wetmore should have bought into it. I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that. And I haven't been around the Twins nearly as long as you guys have to keep hearing this narrative, Manny. Is this is this something that you're tired of hearing and you're going to need to see it like Derek before you actually believe it? 100%, yeah. I mean, I, I look at last year, and, and Derek, I mean, I'll, I'll ask if you're with me on this, when... Remember when they sent him down to Fort Myers during last season, and he came yeah. back, and he was slimmed down. To, I think he was what twenty pounds, twenty pounds lighter. He had lost twenty pounds or something like that. And you know, we could see him on the field, and he looked slimmer. He looked like he was in a little bit better shape and everything. But we saw the approach to the plate was still not. It was still not idea, I, I, yeah. ideal. And that's kind of what I'm looking for is. Okay, he might come back and he might look great right now and he might look like he's in great shape, but now I want to see him. Is he going to start taking more professional at-bats and start really taking his craft seriously and not just, you know, just relying on on his natural ability because he has he has the ability and the potential to be a really really great hitter, but it's just is he going to does does he does he does he want that enough? And yeah. I don't know. I think that's still a fair question to ask. Well, Rami, just for a tiny bit of background, last mm-hmm. winter he had the uh, he had like a rod inserted in his shin after he had fouled a ball off, and it was a stress fracture, I think, mm-hmm. in his in his bone in his leg. So that sort of set his off season back. But then he comes into camp. Uh, I mean, looking fat for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, and so it's like. What? Uh, what? I thought this was an important year for you. This is kind of like a crossroads of your career. Why did you come looking like this? And there's probably some fair defense for like he wasn't fully healthy, but still, it doesn't mean you have to like eat poorly, right? You can you can take <laughs> other things seriously, even if you can't run miles on a treadmill every day. That's fine. Uh, then you fast forward into the middle of the season that Manny was talking about there. They sent him all the way down to high A Fort Myers. It wasn't a triple A demotion, go get right. It was get away from this for a while. Maybe take some time to focus on conditioning. Yes, you're going to play in some A ball games, but then you're going to have days off where you're just working on your body. 
that is a that is a serious wake up call. And if you still have questions after that, it's like, okay, well, that's the end of the line. Most players don't need that type of a wake up call. Um, so that's why I'm a little skeptical that several years into your major league career that you would need that kind of eye opening experience. And we'll see if if Sano took that stuff to heart and then took this winner and really kicked it in the pants. Then great, good for him. I'm still not ready to say that that's like he's there, he's made it, he's at the finish line. Now let's just get him fitted for his all-star uniform. I I think there's still a ways to go before he has uh, all of the critics proven wrong. And uh, I I saw you and a couple other guys on the Twins beat tweet out today, or maybe it was yesterday. He's got a he's got a boot on his foot for that heel. I, yeah, I, I'm no doctor or physical therapist, but. I've never heard of a guy wearing a a protective boot for a cut. Usually that's something to to address some kind of break or at least a sprain. What was their explanation for him having to wear a boot for a cut on his heel? Well, and Thad Levine sort of explained that to me the other day. It was like a cut that he suffered after uh, the celebration, basically, of Mm -hmm. their championship in the uh, Caribbean series. I, I don't even remember what day that game was, but... Um, after the celebration, and sometime in late January, that he has that cut and apparently needed stitches for it. So the boot is not a, hey, immobilize the ankle or make sure that the tendons are protected. It's more when he walks and that skin stretches, if he's going to reopen it again, it's never going to get better. Mm. So, hey, let's just make sure that he's not out here taking grounders on February 20th. Let's keep that wound healing in the right way and then once that is healed i think they expect him to be a full go we'll see hopefully he uh, gets healthy and and he really does get it we're all hoping that he actually does get it the last thing i wanted to address with you derek was uh there was a piece in the uh in the star tribune this morning for what they called the campaign to be the twins closer and, and it was actually it was really creatively and kind of funnily done uh the way that they they worded the article and and they sort of mislead you to thinking we're, they're talking about the presidential election when indeed they're talking about like i said the campaign to be closer they included quotes from taylor rogers who says of course of course if the opportunity is there i'd like to be that guy trevor hildenberger says i've done it before and i'd love to do it again trevor may says it's something i want to do if i'm going to be in the bullpen i'd like to close I feel like I have the potential to really thrive in that job. Other candidates, as they put it, on the ballot include uh, Addison Reed, Blake Parker, Fernando Romero. Uh, who do you see as the the front runner to be the closer, or do you think that they'll actually name a closer? Do you feel that they'll need to put a label on somebody as the guy who comes in in the ninth inning in save situations, or are we looking at a a new way of of handling the bullpen and the pitching staff at large? Yeah, I don't think Rocco Baldelli's going to name a closer. I, I don't think on opening day he's going to say, this is my man with a two-run lead in the ninth. It might Usage patterns might just tell us who the closer is over time, but I don't think that it's a it's a position that he thinks about. Like, closer's not a position. It's, it's a reliever who pitches at the end of games when you're winning. But the way I look at their bullpen right now is there's kind of like, I, I think of it as four guys who are lined up to take those high-leverage innings, and depending on the matchup, this person might get it today. If you were looking to name a traditional closer, gosh, I really like Taylor Rogers and what he did at the end of last season. Um, once he added a slider to his arsenal, didn't matter. Righty, lefty. 
Jose Altuve, doesn't matter. You're not getting a hit off Taylor Rogers is basically what it came down to for the final couple months of the season. And that was sort of under the radar because no one was talking about the Twins by August. And I think even a lot of Twins fans probably were catching the odd game here or there, but not watching every night. And what Taylor Rogers put up as sort of an unsung uh, relief guy for the Twins really should have turned more heads than it did and I couldn't think of somebody better based on his performance last year to trust with a lead in the ninth inning of a you know if you get a zero in this inning the game's over you win Uh, that'd be my leader in the clubhouse but I also don't think that they're going to be rigid with that role throughout the season Manny are you good with that with no no set or defined roles in the bullpen including a a quote-unquote closer I'm good with that just because I don't think I think with the way baseball is going, I I, I think it, it seems like baseball's sort of going away from the traditional ninth inning. I'm going to have this guy for the ninth inning every single time, and he's only going to come in when there's a three-run lead, you know, going into the ninth inning and that sort of thing. I think baseball's sort of going away from that. I think my question would be who is, and, and Derek, you may have answered this already with Taylor Rogers, but who is probably the best bullpen arm that they have right now going in? Well, it is different because do you want the best arm to get three outs right now with nobody on base? Or do you want somebody that can be in that Josh Hader role that Rami's described to us in mm-hmm. the past? Or yeah. the Andrew Miller from a couple of seasons ago? I don't know that Taylor Rogers is that guy. I'm just I'm not sure if they're going to use him as a multi-inning guy yet. But maybe that would be a Fernando Romero type. Or uh, Trevor May is certainly capable of performing in that role. Um, whereas I think of, this might just be my own bias, but I think of Blake Parker as more of a one-inning guy. Taylor Rogers is a one-inning guy. Even Trevor Hildenberger, I think, should be protected from going four, five, six outs. So th- maybe I'm not answering your question, but I think the best reliever depends on what situation you need to use him in, and that's how I think the Twins are going to think of it because Rocco Baldelli has a heavy, heavy raise influence. That's kind of the way I see them thinking about it. Here are three excellent relievers we'll use them to get the most important outs of the game as often as we possibly can the thing is eric when when we have these conversations and and when organizations have these conversations i think it was you the other day here on touch them all who said sometimes we forget that these are human beings yes that we're talking about and a lot of these guys have come up through the ranks with a defined role and that's what they're used to having i think we'll see uh, a new generation of baseball players who are more used to the way pitchers are are used in the game today. But for a guy like Trevor May, who's who's been around for a little while and has been used to having a defined role, like he says, if I'm going to be in the bullpen, I'd like to close. It's going to be hard to get some guys to to fall in line with this new way of 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 bullpenning in modern baseball. That's Derek Wetmore. Check out his work live from Twin Spring Training. Brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business at scorenorth.com. That's Manny.